Willa Noble is on a quest to discover who killed the person dearest to her. She discovers nearly everyone she knows is a suspect. Dancing with danger, she soon finds herself in the nation's capital alongside her benevolent employer, a strange and mysterious woman invested in the case's outcome. The employer, Emily Dickinson. The book, Because I Could Not Stop for Death by Amanda Flower. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit! Alexis, and you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. Alexis, we have a theme this week that I'm going to place at the beginning of the show. You know, we've been moving it around, sometimes yeah. putting it at the end, which I think works well. But uh-huh. in this case, it just makes sense to get right into it. So okay. listeners, <laughs> you may know that each week we choose a theme to discuss inspired by the book. And this week, the theme is a game. Don't do me like that. Oh, Alexis come on. loves oh. these. She loves to be put on the spot. I don't know what's wrong with her, but she loves it so much. No, this week's game is titled, Is This Emily Dickinson or J. Cole? Oh. Now. <laughs> I, I, um, I don't know. Why are you doing this? Because it's fun and you love it. So there will be six rounds total. Please note, lyrics are paraphrased so as to not give the answer away too easily, but only lightly. And I will tell you the original lyric, if it indeed is a J. Cole lyric. Are you ready to begin, Alexis? <laughs> no, I'm not ready. <laughs> All right. Well, round one. <laughs> One thing about the men controlling the pens that write history, they always seem to erase their sins. Is that a J. Cole lyric or Emily Dickinson? I'm going to guess Emily Dickinson. (laughs) That is J. Cole. (laughs) And I knew you was going to do me like that. I knew you was going to do me like that. The actual lyric? One thing about the men that's controlling the pen that write history, they always seem to white out their sins. All right, round two. (sighs) Your life can change in one year. And even when it's dark out, the sun is shining somewhere. Is that a J. Cole lyric or Emily Dickinson? They say Emily Dickinson was dark, so I'm going to say Emily Dickinson. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that is cool. Jermaine. The actual lyric, <laughs> keep, keep grinding, boy. Your life can change in one year. And even when it's dark out, the sun is shining somewhere. Oh, wow. Oh, dang. Look at that. Okay. Okay. You still got it, though. What do you think of our game? No. I hate it. I hate the game. Okay. I hate it. That's how I know it's a good game. Round three. They may not need me, but they might. I'll let my head be just in sight. A smile as small as mine might be precisely their necessity. Is that J. Cole or Emily Dickinson? No. <laughs> you have 50 50 chance. <laughs> it's Emily Dickinson. Ding, ding, ding. 
you're right. That is Emily Dickinson. You I'm know so her, you. Um, her poetry, I see. <laughs> I'm so sick of you. I'm sick of you. I don't know why I have to put up with this. Well, the good news is we're over halfway done. Round four. If I read a book and it makes my whole body so cold, no fire can ever warm me. I know that it is poetry. Is that Emily Dickinson or J. Cole? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Mm -hmm. You do. It's J. Cole. (laughs) I got you. You see how I emphasize Cole? (laughs) That is Emily Dickinson. Come on, girl. Come on. You're terrible. I, I thought you were trying to help me, but here you are trying to hurt me, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Write the wrong answers on the mirror. I think that somebody else said that. Anyway, round five. Believe in God like the sun in the sky. Science can tell us how, but it can't tell us why. Is that J. Cole or Emily Dickinson? Mm, Emily Dickinson was... um not religious what is the poem again believe in god like the sun in the sky science can tell us how but it can't tell us why emily dickinson but you just i thought you had this one because you was thinking it out and i believed in you but that's j cole She didn't believe in the church, not that she didn't believe in God. The actual lyric, believe in God, uh, like the sun up in the sky, science can tell us how, but it can't tell us why. Not that far off. All right. And the final round, you get this one, you win a million dollars. I forgot to say that earlier. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would have helped me out a little bit. Maybe a little. Here we go. Round six. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody? Two. Is that J. Cole or Emily Dickinson? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Why are you asking me? That was shocking. Shockingly difficult. <sighs> um, Emily Dickinson. Yay! You got it. <laughs> now don't bother me about your prize money. It's coming by and I'm by. over this game. Let's move on. We t- well, you won. No worries. <laughs> oh, no, I won. Huh? <laughs> Should we take a quick break yes. and then get into the background of our author, who yes. is surprisingly not Emily Dickinson, and perhaps her inspiration <laughs> for the book? You ready? Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Can you please give us some background on our author, Amanda Flowers, and perhaps her inspiration for Because I Did Not Stop for Death? Okay, so Amanda Flowers is an Ohio native who also writes under the pen name Isabel Allen. She has authored over 45 books, and her first book was published in 2010. She is a USA Today bestseller for her um, series Amish Quilt Shop Mysteries. Amanda is a former librarian and owns a farm and recording studio with her husband. Because I Could Not Stop for Death is Amanda's first book in the historical mystery genre. 
this is the first book in her Emily Dickinson a mystery series. Uh, the second book in the series will be released in November of this year. This book was published in September 2022, and she has received for this book the Agatha Christie Award and the Mary Higgins Clark Award. Oh, okay, okay. Her inspiration came from her fascination with Emily Dickinson. She said, I have always loved Emily Dickinson's poetry and the mystery of her life. She was a recluse who wrote over 1800 poems but only a handful were published during her lifetime. She was also a woman ahead of her time who challenged the norms of society and religion in her writing. I wanted to explore what made her tick and what motivated her to write such powerful and sometimes dark poems. And that's what I have about our author. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that the author is very much enamored of Emily Dickinson and it shows through on her um, within her novel. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you please give us a brief no spoiler synopsis of this book? Yeah. um, Willa Noble takes on a new job with the distinguished Dickinson family. Days later, she receives news that changes her life. Now she and her poet employer investigate to uncover a dark conspiracy that endangers them and their town. Kari, oh. who do you think would enjoy reading this book? Oh, that's so interesting. Maybe if you like Agatha Christie's character, um, Mar- Mrs. Marple. Mm. Uh, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, Marple. Marple. Yeah. <laughs> then I could see someone loving a cozy murder like this book. Um, I really can't think of anything quite like this story uh, to compare it to, though. But yeah, if you if you like those low stakes type of mysteries mm-hmm. someone does die in the beginning but it's not gruesome at all um no real violence in this story then i think you'll you'll enjoy um this book uh because i could not stop for death um because i did not stop for death alexis what made you choose this book uh so i was at my favorite place <laughs> The library. The library. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I was perusing the stacks and the title of this book came up. This book mm-hmm. came up and it was familiar to me, but I didn't I wasn't sure why. So um, I grabbed the book and decided to look into it and realize it was uh, not the actual poem by Emily Dickinson, but yet a book derivative. Yeah. Inspired by with the same. Was title. it under like a librarian favorite? Or you just happened upon it? I just happened upon it, kind of like wow. that other book I did, just kind of perusing the Yeah, Yeah, you've done this a few times, and it usually works out really well. So I love your eye. Yeah, I think Emily <laughs> Dickinson published, what, like 10 poems in her lifetime? So And the rest her in her, such, after her life, right? Yeah, posthumously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For her to be so um, prolific, that says a lot about her work. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you did know the poem, although... You didn't quite dominate the game that we played in the theme (laughs) of the week. You are familiar with Emily Dickinson. Wow. Okay. But let's continue. So I heard you're not going to spoil the book this week because it just came out a year ago. Yeah, I think it's that's reason enough not to give it all away. So I'm going to give most of the book away, just not (laughs) all of it. I'm going to leave quite a bit out. Um, But yeah, I'm not going to give you the ending. Sorry, folks. That's how we're going to do it this time. That's kind of a lot of our listeners don't care. They'll still read a book, but especially for a mystery. I think it's it's good not to spoil that twist or the the conclusion. Um, and this came out a year ago, nearly to the day. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that's a very generous choice you've made. Well, without Thank further you. ado, let's get into a spoiler free deep dive into uh, Because I Did Not Stop for Death by Amanda Flowers. Alexis, you have the floor. OK, so Willa um, wondered if she should even go to this interview. It's raining. She um, she's just been splashed by uh, with mud um, and she's thinking this dirty look is going to prevent her from getting the job. This interview, though, was an opportunity that she couldn't pass up. So she quickly reviewed the note from Mrs. O'Brien. Do not be late. <laughs> Mr. Dickinson does not abide to tardiness. So as she rereads the note, the rain smears the ink and now her hands are ink stained. So not only is she muddy, but she's stained with ink. Why does she have to open the note? Because she knew what the note said. <sighs> so she arrives at the interview. Um, Mrs. O'Brien, who, while pleasant, doesn't seem to appreciate her money look. She like, um, can you lift up your dress and put on these shoes and go in the living room? Cause you just a mess. <laughs> so Willa tells uh, Mrs. O'Brien um, that she wants to work for, she sees working for the Dickinson family as an opportunity to move into new challenges, as well as to, um, it, it would be an honor for her to work for such a, family that's vital to the community. Um, Mr. Wilkinson is a member of Congress and is working in um, Washington. So he's in his term and his term is ending soon. Mr. Dickinson. Mr. Dickinson. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, excuse me. Um, Mrs. O'Brien tells Willa that Dick the Dickinsons were uh, an exacting family. They've got really high standards and um Actually, he's a member of the House of Representatives and is a part of the Whig Party. That's what she tells mm -hmm. him. Um, Willa would be privileged, Mrs. O'Brien tells her, to work for such a family. Um, Willa tells Mrs. O'Brien that she's 20 years old and that she's been working since she's 12. Her mother died and her father is not in the picture and her brother is two years younger than her. Uh, and Mrs. O'Brien is like, you should have been worried about your education. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Like, O'Brien, go sit down. I had to work. So, yeah. And I'm not going to talk about my father. So just, you know, Change mind your subject. business. Move on, Mrs. Yep. O'Brien. Mm -hmm. Mind your business. Mm -hmm. um, Mrs. O'Brien uh, dismisses Willa, telling her she'll let her know by the end of the week. And at this point, Willa's like, sure, she is not going to get the job because there's other people that Mrs. O'Brien has to interview. And in Willa's position, not having a job means not having housing because usually your employer gives you board. Mm -hmm. board. Mm -hmm. Now, as Willa heads to the door, she hears another woman say there will be no more interviews. Margaret, you have found the right maid. Willa turns around to see Miss Dickinson, young Miss Dickinson, and she tells Willa that she likes someone who would sacrifice herself for her family and duty. And she tells Miss O'Brien, Mrs. O'Brien, to show Willa to her new quarters and cancel the rest of the interviews. The room that Willa is given is one of the nicest places that she has ever lived. That evening, as um, Willa's recovering from her long day of dusting, she hears the rain at her window and it's tapping on her window. And then she quickly She's like, realizes. That rain is pretty persistent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not rain. It's her brother. 
her brother has scaled the wall of the house and is at her window trying to get in. So she lets her brother into the window. He's wet, soaking, dripping on the floor. Um, and he's scanning her stuff like her new digs, if you will. And he's like, ooh, this is impressive. This is nice. Yeah, yeah you have upgraded. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, he said, this is better than your last job. This is great. Um, and he asked his sister, um, he asked his sister all that he's heard about the family that she's working for. He's like, Hey, so tell me about the uh, mom. Is she crazy? Is she crazy? And the, and the sisters, they like, um, old maids, right? Oh yeah. I hear the father, he's severe, you know, just saying uh, whatever he's heard in the street, he's asking uh, Willa about it. And she's like, uh, no, stop it. That's none of that is true. Would you think I was a spinster since I'm not married and I'm 20? I think she's 20 at this point and I'm not married. Listen, so she shuts him down with all the questions. But Henry persists. She then insists that Henry leave before he puts her job in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. OK. Henry then proceeds to tell the sister, look, before I go, this is why I came. I have a plan. I'm going to we're going to be rich. I'm going to you'll never have to clean houses again. I'm listening. I'm looking out for us. This Mm -hmm. is an opportunity. I got this new gig and this gig is super important. I can't really tell you much about it, but we're going to be making some money. And she (laughs) like, well, what is it is? uh, I mean, is this going to put you in trouble? What? And he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. No, don't worry about it. And then she tells us that her brother often gets in trouble and he's had to be saved by a family friend who was Matthew Thomas. And he works for the police, um, the police department and has gotten him out of trouble in the past. And the brother hints that Matthew is very interested in a romantic relationship with our protagonist. Yeah. And she blows him off she like mm-hmm. stop it so willa tells henry not to get in trouble um she can't afford to be asking matthew this police officer for help anymore and henry teases that um willa's trying to run from matthew even though he cares about her he doesn't want her to be an old spinster um sorry jumping along oh henry. an old spinster in her early 20s yeah absolutely. but people died at like 26 right i don't know <laughs> In their thirties. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah, oh, yeah. For she real. better hurry up. 40s, she should have got married three years ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> so Henry tells her again that he's left his old job and he's got this new job. He's been there nearly a month, and it's a job as um, a stable hand, and he works in the livery stables. And through this job, he has ambition to uh, move up to apprentice or even a, a coach driver. Um, so it's got a really good outlook for him. She scolds him for not telling him sooner. Um, he tells her that if he gets his coach driver position, he'll be able to set his own prices and she'll not have to work any longer. So she asks how he could afford this, this coach, if he was going to be a coach driver and he kind of waves her off and, and, um, she asks she him where he, he sleeps. No yeah, she's thinking he's up to no good, but she's not digging into that just yet. 
she's asking him where he's sleeping and he says he's sleep he says he's sleeping in the stables with the horses and she is like really concerned about that she's like mom mm-hmm. didn't do all she did for us just for you could sleep on the floor he tells her that he understands the horses and they understand him and he also tells her that he he's got a job to finish and when he's finished with this job again he was going to put her in a proper house and then She'll have a house just as fancy as the Dickinsons um, and their friends. And she warns him not to get involved in another scheme that'll land him in trouble. And she pleads with him to tell him, her what his plan is. Instead, he goes out of the window and tells her to come to the stables that Sunday and he'll tell her all about it. As he's climbing out the window, Willa looks out the window and she can see a woman and a dog. And she thinks it's Miss Dickinson. A few mm-hmm. days later, Mrs. Dick, Miss Dickinson um, hasn't said anything to her about her brother's visit. And so she's thinking she's in the clear. Um, no one said anything. And, and she's going to. So nothing's been said to her. Well, and even if something is going to be said down the line, she's going to not give them any reason to say anything to her because she's going to do such great work. But then later, Mrs. O'Brien wants to speak to her and she asks Willa to sit. And when Miss O'Brien asks her to sit, Willa knows that she's going to lose her job. And she's mm-hmm. scared because she's she has terrified. nothing to fall back on. And then she notices that Mrs. O'Brien is fidgety. And, and crying. <laughs> yeah. She's got tears in her eyes. And she's like, is everything all right, Mrs. O'Brien? And Mrs. O'Brien tells her no. And that in fact, when was the last time you saw her brother? And she's thinking like, well, why would she ask me that? Because they don't even know that was my brother coming out of the window. And she says, well, I asked because there was an accident and your brother was killed last night. So Willis, speechless. She's stunned by the news. She just saw her brother. How could he be dead? Her brother is not the type of person that should end up dead because he always lands on his feet. He's never like mm-hmm. in trouble where his life is in risk. He can always get away. Mrs. O'Brien. Like huh? And people like him. And like people even like he's a troublemaker. He's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. How could this happen to someone like him? Yeah. So Mrs. O'Brien asked Will if she's okay because she's not really saying, she's not saying anything. She's, you know, she's shocked. Um, but she tells him that her brother was found this morning in the livery stables where he worked. The police said that he was trampled when one of the horses became spooked. And it seemed that he tried to calm it um, and went into the stable and was crushed. Willa knew her brother's death was not his fault. He knew what he was doing when it came to animals, particularly horses. And it was his job to calm horses. So why would he be Trying to go calm it and get crushed. It just doesn't make sense to her. Mm -hmm. So Willa asks, who told her this? And Mrs. O'Brien tells her as a young officer came to tell. But she told him that she'd rather share the news with her. So Willa um, knew. She knows right away. Nella knows right away that it was Matthew. Yeah, she knows it's Matthew. Um, And Miss O'Brien told her, listen, okay, so I know you just lost your brother, but you need to wipe your tears when you're struggling, you must rein in your emotions. Don't let them take over you. What's done is done. Move on with your day. Working with your hands will drive your hardship away. Tears will make it worse. The police will be is back this-, this afternoon. Finish your chores before they get here. Resolve your feelings before they arrive. 
She has the best intentions. Is this good advice? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think she needs to mourn first. Yeah. Yeah, She's she needs sad. to mourn. While it's true, being busy does help you not dwell on your sadness. I mean, this literally just happened. She needed a, like a day off. Maybe tomorrow tell her that. <laughs> she has no one else in the world. No one else in the her world. Her life is centered around caring for her brother. Yeah. He is now dead. Yeah. Clean the fireplace. <laughs> clean the fireplace. So <laughs> Mrs. O'Brien leaves Willa to clean the fireplace. And um, some moments later, Miss Dickinson walks in and she sees Willa crying and she's she asks why Willa jumps up apologizing and tells her that her brother she just found out her brother is dead and um Miss Dickinson says if my brother was dead I'd be crushed on the floor crumbled just broken and Miss Dickinson says um who told you that your brother was dead and Willa tells her that the police did Miss Dickinson is like why would the police come and tell you that your brother is dead that doesn't make sense. They would only tell you that if there was a crime. Right? Mm-hmm. Willa told her it was an accident where he worked and he had been employed long. And in fact, her brother was gifted with animals. So it kind of, it doesn't make sense to her either. But the police did come. Miss Dickinson tells Willa that she can see that there's probably more to this story. Willa admits that her brother had a tendency to get in trouble. and. Then she actually regrets saying that because people have been dismissed from their jobs for worse. Miss Dickinson, however, tells Willa that they need to find out what happened to her brother. And Willa's like, together. Um, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> when the police detectives arrived, they asked Willa what her brother's experience was with horses. After a moment, she tells them that he worked with horses many times. He was sort of a jack of all trades but agrees that it was his first time working um, in a livery stable with horses. So the detective says it stands to reason that he could have died as an accident since he didn't have enough experience working in the stables. Willa is not believing that, not for one minute. She tells the detective, Henry doesn't make mistakes and she doesn't appreciate his implication that it was her brother's fault. Accidents happen all the time with skilled men and horses. And he asks, are you implying that someone may have hurt him? Do you know if he was in some kind of trouble? Well, Matthew is also there. As you know, Matthew is like the family friend. He's actually there at this interview and he interrupts to tell the lead detective that Henry wouldn't have told his sister if he was in trouble. Um, and Willa chimes in and says, listen, Matthew and detective you, uh, I know my brother better than you think I do. The detective then tells Willa if she knows something else, she needs to reveal it. Well, Mrs. Miss Dickinson walks in and she gets into it with a detective about harassing her father's employees about a death that has been ruled an accident. The detective leaves saying he will come again to speak with Willa. Miss Dickinson answered for Willa saying, well, we'll be ready. Come on back. <laughs> So there's a scene where they go into church and the minister's daughter sees Willa and she wants to comfort her essentially and say, oh, I'm so sorry about your brother. What happened? It turns out the minister's daughter was in love with Henry and her twin brothers hated that. 
and often gave him trouble. So we're hearing that side story. Days later, Miss Dickinson asks Willa to go with her on a walk and she tells her she's cleared it with Mrs. O'Brien. So Willa expects that Miss Dickinson wants to take her into town, like do a little shopping and maybe she'll carry her her shopping goods back, her packages. Yeah, that's not (laughs) happened. Where did they go, Kari? To the stables where her brother died. Right. With no warning. None. She took her to the scene of the crime. Yeah. And Miss mm-hmm. Dickinson tells Willa, of course, Willa wants to know, look, why are we going here? And Miss Dickinson tells Willa that because they need to discover if there was some sort of crime associated with her brother's death. Plus, if it really was an accident, why is the detective questioning her immediately after if it was an accident? It's not making sense to her. Yeah. Miss Dickinson tells Willa that the police may even think she had something to do it. Now, Mm. Willa's like, now, how could that be? I would never do anything to hurt my brother. And she tells her that her brother meant the world to her. Mm -hmm. When they arrive at the location, instead of going to the house, what Willa thinks is the reasonable thing to do Emily goes straight to the stables and Willa wanted to go to the owners so she could make the presence known and like, hey, hi, we just wanted to look around. That's what Willa thinking. <laughs> no, no. Emily's like, no, I'm wealthy and titled and I got a last name that people know. We're going to do what we want. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and as they open the door to the stables, they see a young black man. And he says, hi, my name is Jeremiah. I've been waiting for you to come. Huh? Willa's like, wait, who is this? I never met him before. She's shocked. Jeremiah tells her that Henry was his best friend. They worked at the warehouse together, um, the job he had before he came to the stables. And Jeremiah left and they stayed connected. And then they reconnected when Henry started at the stables. Emily introduced herself um, as Emily Dickinson. Uh, saying Willa was her (laughs) companion, not her housemate. Um, And she also told Jeremiah that Willa wanted to see where her brother died. Jeremiah took Willa to where her brother slept. um, And he reveals that he wasn't there the night that Henry died. He says he was out that night and came back about five in the morning. Of Mm -hmm. course, uh, they want to know what, Jeremiah was doing at five o'clock in the morning. Yes, that was a different time. You just weren't doing nothing but bad if you was out at 5 a.m. in the morning. Here, it's not As unusual. Now. Yes, it's not unusual to be out at 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> right, right. That's the I whole think. story, he never tells them what he was doing. Never, not at all. He doesn't tell <laughs> them. Instead, he tells them that he was the one that found Henry. And Emily asked, was anyone else at the stables? He tells her no. And Mr. Johnson sent um, after he finds Henry, he goes to tell Mr. Johnson, who is the owner, and Mr. Johnson then sends for a doctor and the police. Jeremiah then takes Willa to the stable where her brother died. And Emily says the horse's name is Tara. Terror. Terror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's surprised to learn that the Emily is surprised to learn that the horse is still alive because normally they destroy. Um, the animal after it's killed a person. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremiah tells them that Tara is a champion horse and that Mr. Johnson wouldn't hear of having him put down. He believes it's not the horse's fault. Um, and the horse that it's her brother's fault yeah. for acting improperly with the animal being rash and spooking the beast. Right. Mr. Johnson is um, says it's just not his fault. And that the vet says that Tara will be able to um, race again in the racing season. So they've checked him out. Um, the vet didn't see any uh, unusual, unusual. Um, well, they saw an injury on him, but it wasn't anything that was so terrible. He wouldn't be able to race again. So right. it sounds like mm-hmm. Mr. Johnson is trying to preserve this great horse for racing. And he doesn't really care about his employee. Mm. Jeremiah tells them there are a number of burns that were painful that would have upset the horse. This is also part of what the vet said that would have upset the horse that would have caused him to kick through the wall. And mm-hmm. Willis says that um, wants to know who would be so cruel. And Jeremiah tells her that Mr. Johnson believes that it was actually Henry that was being so cruel. Mm-hmm. So. The owner believes that her brother, that Willis' brother, burned the horse and then suffered the consequences. Right. And Willis like, but well, my brother would never hurt it, a living thing. Yeah. And why just one day, one night, he decides to burn a horse? Yeah. Which is why. It just doesn't make sense. And Willis like, he would never do that. Mm-mm. Emily interrupts to ask Jeremiah if he actually believes that Henry did that. And Jeremiah says no, but what he believes doesn't really matter. Willa and Emily come to an agreement that they need to investigate what happened to their brother, to her brother. Mm -hmm. So the women are talking and then um, Emily goes further and and engages with, uh, not Emily, Willa goes and engages further with the horse a little bit. And then the foreman of the stables comes in and he's saying, this is no place for a couple of women. Emily throws her name around and the man apologizes. And then Emily starts asking the foreman questions. So like Emily Dickinson is like really big, bold, right? <laughs> and she yeah, especially obviously for a woman at this time. doesn't know her place. Oh, mm-hmm. so he answers a few and then he t- few of her questions and then he tells Jeremiah to escort the women out before they leave Jeremiah tells them that Henry was a good man and that he wishes he could tell her more and he also tells them that the police didn't question him and Mr. Johnson wouldn't allow him to be interviewed by the police um Jeremiah is fine with that because he can't tell the police where he was anyway and Willa asks if keeping that is more important than finding out who is responsible for her brother's death. I mean, a man you mm-hmm. say is your bestie. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? And he's like, yeah. And Henry would agree with me, actually. <laughs> Before they leave. So uh, we must be getting this explanation in the next book in the series. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Before they mm-hmm. leave, Jeremiah gives Willa a package Henry wanted her to have if something happened to him. So let's dig into the investigation. On the way home from the stables, they stop at the post office to pick up mail. This is what um, Miss Dickinson wants to do. The postmaster is Mr. Milner, and he gives his condolences to Willa, saying her brother was a kind young man with a nose for trouble, but it was all in good fun. He tells Willa 
that um, he's really glad to see her because he had asked her former employer where she was, but she never um, she wouldn't tell him. She The former employer was like, no, you being nosy, you can't know. So he was glad she stopped in because he was holding a piece of mail for her. So he gives her the piece of mail. Mr. Mill um, gives her an envelope that has no return address on it. Just the boarding house address where she used to work. That evening when Willa was alone, she opened the package her brother left for her. It was her brother's diary. Mm. The first page of the diary said he started as a testament to what he'd learned. He said that he had in the book needed to be he. He said that what he had in the book needed to be protected because it was the truth. He said there are people who don't want this truth revealed. And he told her if she had this book, it meant that his mission had failed. Mm. Then he stated that the mission, um, this mission started because he wanted to give her a better life. He said that she was the most important person to him and there was no one left but the two of them and their family. He told her not to share the contents um, with the adversary. He said he would not write the names of any guilty parties because that would be dangerous. But he wanted to record his experience and unsure if she um, will have felt after reading that part. I think it was just like the first page of the diary. I said, yeah, yeah. Willa was like, I'm not sure I can read this. These are the last words of my brother. I just I'm just not comfortable. But the page. Yeah, because once I read him, there'll be nothing more to discover about him. And it'll be like he's really gone. Right. Whereas if I just keep the contents of this, um, I can always learn something more from his words and always have a connection to him. Yeah. And so as she's deciding whether she's going to what she's going to do with the book, it kind of falls to the bed and it opens to the last day she saw her brother. And it's a mm-hmm. nice little note about really how much he loves her. So she's distressed and exhausted from the day. And so she goes to bed when she remembers that the letter, there was the letter from the postmaster, Mr. Milner. And when she, so she gets up, she decides she's going to open it. And it says, tell your brother to stop poking his nose where it doesn't belong. If he keeps at it, he will come to a bad end and so will you. The letter is dated. Who would write that? January 1855. That was a long time ago, first off. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. there's a point being made to note dates, and that's the date in this book. <laughs> so she takes the letter to Emily. Now it's late at night. It's her, I'm going to say masters, her boss's quarters her that she's going to. And it's like, I don't know if I, she's feeling like, I don't even know if I should be doing this. It's so late at night. Yeah. This looks weird. Why would I go to her room? Who do I think I am? Well, she goes to Emily's room and Emily is like up. So she's like, mm-hmm. she shows the letter to Emily and Emily is like, this is proof your brother was murdered. The next day, Emily invites Willa to help her in the garden with Mrs. Uh, O'Brien's okay. And while working in the garden, Emily tells Willa there is an important piece of information that seems to be missing. And she believes Henry saw or knew something that got him killed. Of course, Willa thinks about the diary and she thinks she should tell Emily, but she doesn't. She's not ready to tell Emily about it. Emily then tells her that she can't discount the minister's daughter, Catherine. 
She wanted to marry Henry, but the father and brothers didn't. So maybe they spooked a horse because marrying Henry was such a poor match for the daughter and sister that they get Henry out of the way. That's the best way to go. Uh, Have we met that family yet in the story? Mm hmm. Yeah, at church. And yeah. they're like really brutes. They feel like the twins, her, um, Catherine's older brothers, feel like they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Because their dad is the minister of the town. They're really evil. Yeah. So it's possible. Excuse me. Uh, so Willis says she can't believe that the minister would do something like that since he's a man of the cloth. Emily says he is a sinner too. Nothing is impossible. Oh. <laughs> so Emily can see that it looks like Willa wants to say something while they're having this conversation about the minister's family. And mm-hmm. um, Willa decides she's not. She said, oh, no, no, I didn't have anything to say. I'm I'm good. I'm good. This is her choosing not to tell Emily about the diary. Mm-hmm. OK, so Mr. Dickinson comes home and then Emily's brother, Austin, comes home with his girlfriend, Miss um, Gilbert. And now the whole family is together. And this is the first time that Willa will be working with the entire family in the residence. And that evening, they learned that Mr. Dickinson wants the whole family to go to Washington. Emily had wanted um, Willa to meet her friend, Miss Gilbert, who is also her brother Austin's girlfriend. And so they get together that evening as well and then kind of have a conversation miss gilbert i can't remember her first name but anyway she maybe i don't remember i don't know any event she has some news that she shares because emily has shared the story with her and Mm -hmm. she tells emily and willa that there's talk around town about a slave catcher at the stables in fact there was a black man in shackles being held for the slave catcher. And they decide that they're going to start asking around about these slave catcher rumors. So where's the place to go? Right back to the stables. <laughs> they go back to the stables. And while there, they overhear Mr. Johnson, Johnson, the owner of the stables, along with Mr. Masters, um, who was like the foreman or something, um, talking. And Mr. Johnson tells Mr. Masters that he's going to heal. Mr. Masters will need to be on his toes while Mr. Johnson is in Washington. He further tells him that there are men he needs to speak to regarding their cause for the South. Mr. Masters is also heard telling Mr. Johnson that he knows he sympathizes with the South. But how could he do that if he's in the North? That doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. to him. Emily and Willa overhear this conversation and they see this as proof that Mr. Johnson has something to do with the slave catcher. Emily then turns to Willa and asks if she thinks Henry was involved in the slave catching since he found a way to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Willa's like, Henry would never do that. She says, how could Jeremiah think they were friends if he was actually doing that? Right. When Mm -hmm. they see Jeremiah, they ask about the slave catcher and he says he's worked at the stables for a year and has never seen the slave catcher. Jeremiah then tells them that Henry was hired by a wealthy man to spy on Mr. Johnson. 
Emily decides that uh, Willa must go with the Dickinson family to Washington so that they can continue their investigation. Jeremiah tells Willa he thinks it's a bad idea to investigate Mr. Johnson. So Jeremiah asked Willa if the package that he gave her was the diary. And she tells him, yeah, it was. And um, that the diary. He's like, thought so. Huh? He's like, thought so. Uh-huh. Yeah. He and she everything. says, that's got to be kept safe. Because um, more than your life is at stake if you have that diary. So, or more than your life. Yeah. More than her life is at stake. That evening, Willa reads a page from Henry's diary that seems to implicate Mr. Johnson as the slave catcher. He also reports that his employer is happy with the work he has accomplished and they feel there's a second man involved and it's Henry's job to find him. This confirms for Willa that her brother is not being paid to participate in the catching of slaves. On the train to Washington, Willa sees Mr. Johnson and she sees Matthew, the police officer, and also, you know, the love interest. (laughs) They learn that, according to Matthew, the police are investigating Mr. Johnson and he tells the women to stay away from him. Mm -hmm. Now, Then they get to Washington and they run into Mr. Milner, the postmaster. You remember him, right? Mm -hmm. And he said he says he's there for official postman business. There's a postman's convention um, that he was invited to. and He likes to keep up on all the latest in the postman's master world. (laughs) Emily invites Mr. Milner to the family's house for dinner, which is being held for all the people visiting Washington from their town, Amherst, Amherst and the Washington elite. And she asks if he knows anyone else from Amherst that's in town. And she mentions Mr. Johnson. Mr. Milner seems to go pale when she mentions Mr. Johnson's name. Later, when she sees her father, when uh, Emily sees her father, she mentions that Mr. Johnson and Mr. Milner are in town. And it seems that nobody really likes Mr. Johnson, but they invite him to the dinner party anyway. Mm -hmm. So the ladies here, like the sister, like Emily and um, Emily and Willa hear that Mr. Johnson is staying out Mount Vernon. So they're also with um, Emily's sister who has no idea what's going on. Mm -mm. And so they all (laughs) go go over to Mount Vernon and they're going to sit there and have tea so they can wait for Mr. Johnson to show up. And they're there for like two hours. And while they're there waiting and they're in this two hour period, Emily finally decides to ask a woman. I don't I can't remember what her role is, but she asked the woman if Mr. Johnson is actually staying at this uh, location. She's the owner of the tea um, room. Ah, uh, OK. It's a black woman, uh, which is very surprising. But she was um, given the tea room, the business when the owner died okay. uh, because she was an employee there. She was a hard worker. So now she, the black woman, owns the tea room. OK. So that woman is like, 
well, I don't think you should be asking about a man like him. Okay, great. He pays his bills. (laughs) Yes. But he looks really mean. He's got a really sour face. And also he was having a meeting the other day with a couple of men and at least a couple of them. One of them was a Southerner and they were all unhappy. And she tells the ladies to stay as far away from him as possible. And when they Mm -hmm. finally see Mr. Johnson against everybody's wishes, Emily tells him about the party and he declines the invite and says, you don't want to be at a party with people he don't like. (laughs) <laughs> they don't like me and it's the same over here yeah and then she tell then she's like well let me tell you who all gonna be there and he's like i'll be at the party bye he sure did <laughs> so willa then so they all go back to the hotel their proper hotel and then willa sees matthew and he tells her that mr johnson is not the killer but willa doesn't believe him And Matthew tells Willa that Henry um, likely knew something about the Underground Railroad. And that is why she should stay out of it. And he tells Mm. her that Henry learned the identity of the slave catcher. And that's likely what got him killed. Um, So Willa asks Matthew who the slave catcher is. And Matthew says he doesn't know. And he tells her that if he's holding information back, it's to protect her. After talking to Matthew, Willa um, decided it was time to read all of Henry's book. But then when she goes to diary, diary, when mm-hmm. she goes to look for it, it's not there. So she starts. It's te- what? It's not there. <laughs> yeah. So she starts tearing the room apart looking for this book and she cannot. The find last it. piece of her brother. And now it's missing. Yeah. Later, she would find it. In um, in the Dickinson's possession. Okay. Yeah, Emily's sister that ain't that realizes something's going on that's a little dangerous doesn't want Emily to be involved in it. Takes the diary as proof that um, Nella, what's her name? Willa. Willa. That Willa is hiding things from her employers. So Nella finds it behind Emily's sister's headboard. Okay. So we're wrapping it up here. At some point, I think this was after their walk, uh, Willa and Matthew go for a walk and Willa offers to repair Matthew's coat for dinner because he's coming to the dinner, too. He thinks Willa's coming, but Willa's not coming because she's the servant. That's not her work. Her role. Yeah. Yeah. So um, by when she goes to repair his jacket, she realizes that. Matthew is one of the people that met with Mr. Johnson. And so now she Yeah, fears. remember the tea room lady said that there was a meeting with Southerners and they were all mad? Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew was at that meeting. Yes. And is Matthew the one yes. selling out runaway slaves? Her Matthew? Yes. She's like... Did he have something to do with her brother's death? She is shook at the... <laughs> okay. <gasps> anyway, Terrifying. Emily tells Willa... Um, now you need to come to the dinner so you can like read the expressions of all the people there. Since you know, um, Matthew, it'd be great to get your thoughts on what he's thinking as well. So Willa is given a hotel attire and told to go stand in the room. While at the party, we learn that Mr. Milner, the postmaster, wasn't at a postman convention organized by the 
postmaster general who is also at the dinner. In fact, Beyonce in town, so it ain't no convention that week. <laughs> You're right. So somebody lying. Somebody's lying. So he has to quick come up with something and he tells the table it was a regional event. And Emily's like, a regional event? Why would you have a regional event and come all the way to Washington? That's a whole bunch of towns in the region that make more <laughs> sense. But before Mr. Milner could answer, Mr. Dickinson stops Emily. He's like, em- Emily, if you don't be quiet. And Mr. Dickinson doesn't know anything about what's going on either. He just doesn't want his daughter talking so freely in front of men. Yeah. And just as that happens, Mr. Johnson stands up and leaves the dinner saying he's got pressing matters to care for. And when Mr. Johnson leaves, it seems like everybody relaxes and Mr. Dickinson uh, apologizes for his abrupt leaving. But when Mr. Johnson leaves, Willa and Emily follow him and they see him speaking to a black man. And I'm going to stop right there. Okay, (laughs) Car, do you think I should say more? Well, let's just put a bow on it. People are like, what? Wait, what happened? Right. So, yeah, this whole story, we've been led to believe that Mr. Johnson is basically evil and he is the most likely suspect. Mm -hmm involved in Henry's death. He's also perhaps turning over free black people and runaway slaves to the South. So he's probably really, really bad. But then they saw him talking to a black man. So and the argue that's the discussion wasn't an argument. So they don't know what to think. Then you have the postman who is like the man everyone loves that delivers the mail. He's in town. And he's not really being forthcoming as to why. Then you have Matthew, the policeman, who's also her love interest. And he's in town and he's not being forthcoming as to why. It seems like the police department don't even know he's in D.C. So whatever reason he has for being in D.C. is not tied to official business. What's that about? All of this they're finding um, as they're looking for who killed her brother, but they're also undercover covering they're un undercovering uncovering uncovering layers (laughs) to the underground railroad system in their locale oh i like that bow per all right you ready to take a break (laughs) let's take a quick break all right let's do it We stick into it. If you want to know the end of it, you're going to have to pick up the book because we ain't telling it. We gave a <laughs> lot of information already. So, Kari, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us what's your final verdict and whether or not you would recommend this book? So um, this felt like a YA book, although it is not. It's a very easy to follow plot. I think you did a great job retelling the story. Um, But to me, there is a danger in writing real characters from the past into better versions of themselves within fiction. And we see this sometimes. Right. So Dickinson herself wrote about war. She wrote about a lot of things, but not typically about slavery. You know, on the subject of black Americans rights, um, abolition of slavery or the evils of slavery. She's typically quiet. She's nearly quiet, silent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there were others who wrote about slavery, and some of these could even be considered her associates. Um, one that comes to mind is Thomas Wentworth Higginson. Um, people know him as a minister, a soldier, and an abolitionist who was even um, like uh, down for the cause of what's his name? That the most famous abolitionist, John Brown. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, John Brown. Um, so yeah, Thomas Wentworth Higginson was um, also a teacher. So um, he, him and Emily wrote back and forth for over two decades um, because he would critique her poetry for her. And then they, they became like pen pals, like close friends, but through letters mostly. In this book, not only is Emily like a quiet supporter of the abolition of slavery, uh, but so is nearly everyone in her town. It's like very few people are in support of slavery outright. Uh, many just don't want to touch the matter at all or they consider it a Southern issue. And then a lot of people are actively involved in freeing Black people, um, risking their lives for the cause. This feels like fiction that borders on uh, revisionist hi- history to mm. me. And that makes me a little uncomfortable. There's also no world building being accomplished here, in my opinion. And the story feels like a snapshot with no past or future. So I didn't I didn't know it was going to be part of a series because I didn't feel like it had any legs. It was just this isn't a story I'll think about later. I don't need to know what happens. We do solve the case with her brother, um, but there are a lot of unanswered, you know, um, tertiary or tangential, excuse me, questions uh, throughout um, that that came up throughout the story. For example, will she marry Matthew and other questions like that? Those aren't answered in this book. So maybe they're to be answered in future books, but I don't feel invested enough to read those books for the answers. So because I felt so lukewarm about the book overall, I would not recommend it. Um, and then Alexis, what were your final thoughts and would you recommend this book? So, you, you know, I hear completely what you're saying about this book. There was something about the book that was... Um, there but just not there it's a fine story okay I can get it but one thing that stood out to me is when she talked about the book she wanted to peer into Emily Dickinson but Emily Dickinson as she said never wrote about slavery it's something that happened during her time but that she never wrote about it. And so because of that, she's literally inserting this information. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. But then on top because of that, her Emily father really existed. Yeah. It's like, so yes. if she said mm-hmm. nothing about slavery. And now you're having this whole story where it seems like she's trying to help it. And on top of that, her father was a Whig, which I understand they took no position on slavery at all. And so no, because their job was to wear wigs, like for <laughs> real, they, that was like, <laughs> that's what they like to do. OK, and as long as you weren't messing with a Malaysian yaki, <laughs> they didn't really Malaysian care. Yaki. <laughs> Listen, so the fact that her father is not taking a stance co-signs for me, the fact that she probably didn't take a stand either. She didn't write about owned, it. Uh, land, too, in the South, if I'm not mistaken. I'll look that up. But go ahead. I'm sorry. It. That she didn't take a stand. She didn't write about it. That's not something she was talking about. And now we're going to have a book with her um, as a supporter of. And um, do you understand what I'm saying? So I I don't know. Yeah. So imagine that um, we read a book 
about a teacher um, of Hitler youth and a lot of um, German, quote unquote, supporters of the Nazi party were kind of born into supporting the system that prevailed in their government. It's not like they were actively pursuing uh, Nazi ideas. So um, maybe we read a book about a teacher of Hitler youth who um, loved, had a Jewish friend, um, loved Jews. And then we find out that that teacher actually did exist and that there's no evidence that they were sympathetic to Jewish people or anyone that the Nazis were trying to kill. It feels gross, right? Like, why do that? Just yeah. out of all the characters in the world, why choose this story? Yeah. Well, why would it be any different for someone that didn't speak out against slavery at a time when um, slavery was prevalent and other people of note were speaking out? Yeah. So. Yeah. So that that really is it in a nutshell. The story is fine, but since it's a real character, you I feel like you're really just like adding stuff because. Throughout the 1800 poems that she's written, she never discussed this. It, it would mm-hmm. be fine if you were building something off of what she which, what already existed for her. But you're creating something just that just doesn't support. No, there's no information to support what you're saying. And this is a real character. Like some of the things that happened. She was in Washington. Her father was a Whig. They had ice cream. Yeah, that's true. Oh, there are lots yeah, of true things mm-hmm. in here. But yeah. this one, this seems to kind of go off. And and as I read this story, I again, I was like, OK, this is all right. It's an easy read. You could take it to the beach and do all of that. But ultimately, there was something underlying that I just couldn't get with. And that exactly that's exactly what it was. The fact that this slavery story and this woman wrote all these poems and there was just nothing to support it. So um, I (laughs) would not recommend the book. I would not recommend the book. Yeah. I also got to say for me, I can be uh, inconsistent in how I judge authors and their choice of characters. If this was a book that I just couldn't put down, I would be like caveat. It's a little uh, sketchy. And how it's painting an actual person from the past. But the plot, I'm telling you, is just great. And you really, this might be a story you want to, but I don't feel that way. And so I would say. (laughs) I really don't know what you're getting from this. (laughs) (sighs) Let me just also say, although this is a series, I think the series is not about this slavery thing continuing, that storyline continue, but just that maybe. Willa and Emily are investigators, are detectives. I think that's more. I mean, if this was an anti-slavery Emily Dickinson series, <laughs> I would have a lot more. to I, say. I don't think that's I honestly don't think that's what it is. I know the book comes out in November, but I read the uh, clip of it. Oh, the follow up. And it doesn't appear that that's what it's about. It's another line of story. And in fact, other people, characters involved well, I'm sure it's taking place in Amherst and I would likely read the next story. Um, but then, of course, I would um, wonder the level, uh, how much of it is made up based off of the fact that she has a whole bunch of poems that exist that share her, her and actual do show her personality mm-hmm. and her interests yeah. and what was important to yeah. her. Yep. So that's that. Well, thank you. So it looks like neither of us are recommending it. But thank you for that breakdown. What are we reading next week, Alexis? Between the World and Me by Tanahasi Coates. We're gonna spoil that book. 
Because it's been For out sure. forever and it's not really a book you can spoil nonfiction. Have you read I it? I haven't, but it's kind of on my list. It is on my list. Yeah, it's been on our list forever. Mm-hmm. So finally, we're getting to this this book that uh, literally everyone has read but us. So that'll be next week. See you guys then. Thank you for listening to Lit Society. We'll see you next Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love y'all too. If you've enjoyed what you've just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, read something or whatever J. Cole says.